Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Phillies Today podcast. I have, I am, of course, your host, Dan Wilson, coming to you on this Wednesday, April 26th, 2023, a day after uh, the Phillies lose another series opener. The Phillies lose a series opener at home to the Seattle Mariners by a score of 5-3 to three following an off day. Both teams had an off day. Uh, Phillies final series uh, within this homestand against the Mariners. They drop one here. They drop to eleven and thirteen on the season. They drop to three and two on this homestand. Uh, it was a game that it, it was going really fast. I mean, I, I was down there on Tuesday night, and it, it almost had a basketball pace. I, I mean, I know a lot has been made of you know the pitch clock and how shorter games are. And by the way, with two things, you know, factoring these Phillies games entering just ending way earlier. Number one is the game starting at 6.40 p.m. as opposed to when it used to be at 7.05 p.m. I know this is year two of it, uh, but they're doing it for the entire season, not just April, May, and September for weeknight games. And then on top of that, this pitch clock is making games finish all under three hours. 9.15 p.m., games ending. Uh, It's really, you know, ending an hour uh, to an hour plus earlier than it used to. So, uh, But this game in the first four to five innings, was racing through. I mean, I mean, it felt like you know the final day of the season where teams can't get out of there fast enough or a getaway type day. Uh, guys going up there swinging very early in counts, three, four batters per inning, and this is on both sides. Like not a lot of not a lot of battling uh, on either side. And again, you know, it's nice to see Bailey Falter kind of settle in a little bit. Uh, but from an offensive perspective, a little bit infuriating to watch the Phillies just send three or four hitters to the plate every inning not battle at bats, seemingly having no approach, swinging very early in counts, often at the first pitch, uh, and just getting themselves out. And again, that creates length. Marco Gonzalez was on the hill uh, for the Mariners in this game. He only ended up going five innings, but only needed 75 pitches to do it. Allows just four hits, one run, uh, just two strikeouts, one walk. But again, Marco Gonzalez didn't really have to battle a whole lot. Not The Phillies hitters didn't, Really, weren't really making him earn a lot of those out. It seemed like they were going up there just trying to hit it, and some of the balls were hit hard. Uh, I will give it that, but quickly heading back to the dugout and Bailey Falter quickly having to head out to the mound. So, game that was racing fast uh, in the first four to five innings, uh, but then it slowed up, and that's where I'm going to start. Uh, you know, in today's episode, a couple of takeaways from this one, and my first one is that this game was absolutely lost uh, when Bailey Falter went back out. Uh, for the sixth inning. So he has a long inning in the fifth. Uh, he allows two runs. The game was scoreless up until the fifth inning in this one. 
Uh, he ended up facing a total of six batters in the top of the fifth inning, or set, I should say six batters in the top of the sixth inning. Uh, he got a line out to start, but then he allowed a home run to Jared Kalanick. Uh, he got a couple more outs, uh, but then allowed a second run and a J.P. Crawford single, uh, and then a Julio Rodriguez strikeout to end the inning. But he needed 30-plus pitches to get through the inning. It was a long inning time-wise. Felt like the length of half the game. The, the first four innings of the game felt like they took less than an hour, and this game, or in this particular half inning, felt like it took 20 minutes. So he clearly had to battle to get through it. Uh, it was mentally and physically draining for Bailey Falter, I'm sure. They allowed two runs. It was nice to see that in the bottom half of the inning, Ed, Edmundo Sosa, he comes back and hits a home run uh, to make the game 2-1. So now you're sitting here with a bit of a managerial decision for Rob Thompson. I get he wants to get length out of his guy. I get he wants to you know, try and extend Bailey Falter as deep into this game as possible. But he had just battled through the inning. You just got to run back. And this is a pivotal point because not only are you bringing Bailey Falter back out, but you're bringing him back out to face two, three, and four, like the meat of that Mariners order here uh, in the top of the sixth. And so he brings him back out, and he gets a strikeout uh, on Ty France to begin the inning, uh, but then three, four, and f- three and four really uh, makes him pay. Eugenio Suarez, he doubles to deep left center field, and Teoscar Hernandez, he leaves a ball hanging up in the zone, and Teoscar Hernandez kills this thing to left field uh, and quickly makes it 4-1. And it just felt like... Bailey Falter probably should not have been back in that game. And again, I understand why Rob Thompson is doing it, that he wasn't—he didn't want to immediately turn to his bullpen and ask for 15 outs. And he did ask for 12 outs in this game, uh, as it turned out. Well, he, yeah, he asked for nine outs, I should say, in this game. He didn't want to ask for 12 outs. My math bad there. He already got through five on Falter. Didn't want to ask for 12 outs on his, from his bullpen. He ended up asking for nine. Connor Brogdon uh, pitches the seventh in this game. He allowed a run. Uh, Junior Marte and Andrew Vasquez close it out. But sending Falter back out there, it was just a real momentum shift. Like the Phillies responded immediately back. You know, again, four innings of scoreless baseball, neither team scoring. Mariners open up with a long inning, two runs. Sosa immediately comes back. And you say to yourself, all right, the offense just took a little bit to get going tonight on both sides. The Phillies are right there in it. And a one-run deficit where the Phillies, you know, might try and push another run across and be in it immediately game not blows open. It's still a save situation. Uh, but in a game where runs uh, were hard to come by going down three in that particular spot kind of killed. So that's where uh, it's really seemed like the game took a p- its most pivotal turn. That was my number one takeaway from this game is that again, in and some of it is hindsight. Some of it is, you know, you understand why Rob Thompson did it, but uh, sending Bailey Falter back out for that sixth inning did not work uh, up against that top or the meat of that Mariners order, uh, and that's where the Mariners took a four to one lead. Again, the Mariners and Phillies would exchange a couple more runs later in innings, but the Phillies lose this one by a score five three. So that's that's takeaway number one. Uh, takeaway number two is the Phillies continue to not capitalize offensively uh, with runners on. I'm actually going to have to look into this of how many times the Phillies have out hit their opponents. Here this year because it feels like every night it feels like every single night I either go or I watch on TV or even just check the box score the Phillies are sitting there and they're out hitting their opponent they're getting double digits in hits they had 10 hits on Tuesday night sometimes they'll get 11 12 13 14 whatever the case might be uh in hits the issue is not hitting the ball like there are guys getting hits up and down the lineup uh consistently hitting in the double digits 
they just oftentimes have little to show for it. And this is nothing new. They're among the league leaders uh, and runners left on base, runners left in scoring position. And the Phillies had two prime opportunities in Tuesday night's game uh, where they left runners on base. Again, their number, their, their first run came on a home run by Edmundo Sosa. There's really not a ton of traffic uh, on the bases there. They got a run in the bottom of the sixth, uh, an inning I'll recap in a second, and then, you know, kind of a, not a meaningless single, but a too little, too late single from Jake Cave in the bottom of the ninth that scored Alec Bohm. So that was the third run. But I'll go back to that bottom of the sixth inning where they did get a run, but, you know, you, you would hope to tack on more. So Mariners turn it over to their bullpen. Matt Brash comes in for the bottom of the sixth. Uh, inning starts with a Trey Turner strikeout. We'll get to him a little bit more uh, later in the segment. Kyle Schwarber then gets hit by a pitch. Castiano singles. JT Romuto singles. So now you got bases loaded, one out, uh, and the Phillies are down three runs. And you would love, you know, this is where Alec Bohm comes up, and he's had a really, really good start to the season, really driving through the baseball. And Bohm goes up there, and maybe you're looking to drive a ball in the gap or just keep the line moving. He hits the ball incredibly hard, uh, and he hits into a fielder's choice. Now, the first baseman uh, for the Mariners in this game was Ty France, and he was playing like well into the gap. When I say into the gap, into like the fir- the gap between first and second base, totally playing off the runner because it was bases loaded, uh, and he makes the throw over to second base, gets the fielder's choice. Now, the Phillies scored a run on the play, but again, it was a ball that was hit hard that if it makes its way to the outfield at normal depth or a normal alignment for that Mariners infield, maybe you're looking at two runs, you're not looking at an out. And so again, instead of you know two runs and still one out, now you have just one run and two outs, and then Mundo Sosa strikes out swinging, leaving Bohm on at first base uh, and Castellanos on at third base. So that seemed like a missed opportunity. Bases loaded, one out, only putting one run across there. Uh, kind of leaving the Mariners off the hook. And then again, in the bottom of the seventh, uh, you had a situation where, you know, Mariners again go to a new reliever, uh, and Marsh leads off the inning with a single, and Pache comes up, Christian Pache, uh, who was the nine hitter in this game, comes up, and he squares the bunt. Eddie Hunting Suarez, the third baseman, playing way back at third base. Pache already had two hits in this game, but she's trying to find any way to get on, uh, which is a move that I like, you know, trying to, get it over to the top of your order, get a base runner on, despite the fact that you've been swinging the bat well earlier in the game, you're just looking for base runners. You're looking for traffic on the base. So he squares, Marsh gets a little too big of a lead uh, over at first base, and a beautiful swim move dive uh, back into first base, and you know got a nice ovation from the crowd, actually, uh, on the jumbo, on Fanavision, I should say, not the Jumbotron, it's called Fanavision, um, for avoiding that tag. And it's as if the baseball gods did not want Brandon Marsh to actually be safe because the very next thing that happened is Christian Pache lines a ball hard right at the second baseman. Brandon Marsh freezes on a line drive, didn't matter, gets back-picked, and now what seemed like, again, seventh inning, Philly showing a little bit of life, down a couple of runs, you're going to turn it over to the top of your order, and Bryson Stott might come on with a, with you know two runners on. A hard-hit ball goes right to where the second baseman was placed, and they double play, and of course, uh, the Phillies were not able to get any more traffic on the bases. So th- there's two perfect examples of Phillies looking like they're going to make a little noise. The crowd was starting to get into it after the offense had been just silent for the first half of this game, uh, and the Phillies are not able to claw their way back. So that's been my number one frustration with the Phillies kind of just so far this season is not capitalizing offensively. Again, they had 10 hits in this game. They, were, they had little to show for it. They were slow 
uh, to get going out of the gate hits-wise. A lot of quick innings. Bailey Falter probably had barely had enough time to breathe there in the dugout as this was happening. Uh, but later in the game, when they did get base runners on, a combina- it was a combination of bad luck uh, and just poor timely hitting because that has been a trend with the Phillies this season. I do think that timely hitting uh, and the baseball gods being a little bit more on your favor, something that will continue to even, its- or you hope to start and continue uh, to even itself out over the course of a season as you go more into the summer months and you play more games on the year. But right now, the Phillies are having a hard time catching breaks uh, and a hard time being clutch in a number of situations when they have traffic on the bases, uh, scoring as many runners as they need to, uh, especially when you're down a couple of runs uh, as they were on Tuesday nights. The Phillies lose 5-3. They didn't capitalize offensively. They gave up a couple of runs because Bailey Falter went back out for the sixth inning. Uh, I said I was going to get a little bit more uh, into a couple of the guys we just mentioned. Christian Pache, uh, I mean, he has really, really improved from what he looked like at the beginning of the season. Has another two hits uh, in Tuesday's game. He's now four for his last six, and he's swinging a, um, he, he, he's swinging a much better bat. And I know it's only been a couple of games, and the guy doesn't play every day, but he just, it's, it's a baseball cliche. He looks a lot more hitterish at the plate. Uh, he got pulled for a pinch hitter late in this game uh, in Jake Cave, and Cave did end up getting uh, a hit, and we don't see Pache uh, really at all against righties. But he's certainly a very good defender. We know he can base run. He's fast. Uh, they tried to have him lay down a bunt. It didn't work out. Uh, and almost got Brandon Marsh backpicked because he got uh, a little too far off of first base in this game. But if Christian Pache could put together any consistency at the plate uh, for this season, that would be really, really good to, you know, th- there's been a lot of Phillies players who probably thought they were going to get a lot more experience DHing uh, over the past couple of years and have not because Bryce Harper was clogging that spot a year ago. And now you have guys in positions who you didn't expect. Bohm's playing a lot more first uh, as opposed to third base. Sosa's playing a lot more third, I'm sure. You know, Bohm expected more games at DH. Castellanos expected more games at DH both last year and this year. Uh, and the DH on in Tuesday night's game was Kyle Schwarber as Christian Pache played left field. If Pache can become a more consistent part of this lineup and a guy who Rob Thompson trusts in that lineup, I mean, that is huge. Because, again, we know he can defend. We know Ro- Brandon Marsh can defend. Uh, there were a few balls hit into left and left center field uh, in Tuesday night's game that, you know, the two of them just absolutely get to. There's a ball in the gap that Pache cut off and, you know, got into the infield ultra fast and made it a close play at second base. There's no way Schwarber cuts that ball out. Like, it, it would have gone to the gap and maybe we're looking at a triple or a stand-up double. Instead, he's a real defensive threat. And again, he's looking like a threat at the plate, too. And there's really no other explanation. A lot of people are giving credit. Uh, you think about where Brandon Marsh was a season ago. And now he's got the highest OPS in baseball, and previously he never had a high an OPS like north of 680 with the Angels. And the Phillies acquire Christian Pache from the A's and basically get him for nothing. And he looks like a pitcher hitting up there early in the season. Kevin Long just knows how to work magic, and I don't even know if this is Kevin Long working magic this early in the season. It is maybe just everything he touches turns to gold? I guess that's got to be the case because Christian Pache. Has he was a highly talented prospect. A lot was made of him. Has never hit for this this kind of level uh, or this 
you know, kind of consistency. And when I say this kind of consistency, again, over just a couple of games, but he's never looked this good at the plate, uh, from what I can recall, um, you know, in a major league uniform. And now we're looking at a situation where, again, if he can work his way into some more at bats, some more playing time, maybe eventually facing uh, some right handed pitching, but for now, probably. Uh, going in when there's a lefty uh, on the mound for the opposition, that would be huge for Rob Thompson. That would be huge for getting a guy like Kyle Schwarber off his feet in the field for a game, uh, and just adding to the depth of this overall team. And you know, platooning a, a few more spots in the outfield. It never hurts uh, to have more depth out there. It never hurts to have you know another card you can play if a lefty comes in late in a game. You know, and you, you want to, you need a fast runner to get on. Maybe you're, you hit Pache, uh, whatever the case might be. I mean, I never. It's hard to imagine Christian Pache likely pinch hitting in a game, but uh, you know if he is another reliable bat, certainly a guy who you could see more playing time for here uh, if he consistently, you know, looks better. And the Kevin Long coaching tree continues to expand here again. First with Brandon Marsh and the massive steps he's taken, and maybe he touches uh, Christian Pache in the exact same way here early in the 2023 season. After again less than a month with him. Uh, so that's storyline number three, Pache, four for his last six, noticeable change, uh, and maybe that's just Kevin Long. Everything he touches turns to gold. And the last takeaway I had uh, from this Phillies game is that Trey Turner absolutely has to get it going. Three for his last 27, 10 strikeouts um, in the, in that span, Three another three strikeouts on Tuesday night against the Seattle Mariners. He got that home run out of the way. I got a couple of home runs uh, out of the way, which I know I'm sure was, you know, eating over him and he he was answered to get that first home run you know we hit that f- the first home run he hit as a member of the Phillies in a meaningful game uh, which he coined the biggest home run of his career uh, was in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA so you know f- to get that monkey off the back to finally hit one in a Phillies uniform I'm sure it was very very big for him uh, and a big deal in his own mind and you know I'm glad he's gotten that out of the way now in t- he, he hit one again in Chicago, and then he hit another one, his first home one uh, at home over the weekend. But three for his last 27, like, you don't want to see a guy like that press. He obviously signed a huge contract this past offseason, and you can sense the crowd starting to get a little antsy uh, with him. In the same way, you know, anytime someone signs for that kind of contract. I remember there were points uh, of Bryce Harper's first year where people were starting to get antsy uh, because he wasn't swinging the hottest of bats at points during the season. And that contract, uh, you know, was going to look like a massive mistake to a lot of people. And, you know, I still have faith in Trey Turner that he's going to turn it around. But right now, he is not cutting it. Uh, you you know, he, again, not even putting together a ton of competitive at-bats, three strikeouts against the Mariners. Uh, him at the plate right now, not great. And he's also, the really troubling thing is that he's swinging at a lot of outside pitches and a lot of, you know, ugly off-speed, uh, almost Nick Castellanos-like. Uh, from a year ago, Castellanos, I made a point on yesterday's podcast and have already made a point a number of times this season, looks a lot more locked in. Trey Turner maybe rubbed it off on Trey Turner, uh, which would be a bad thing because he's chasing a lot of pitches out of the zone. It's resulting in a lot of strikeouts and some woes at the plate for Trey Turner. He's got the body of work. Uh, He's one of the best in the game usually. So uh, I do believe that Trey Turner will turn the corner here and find it. But right now they're not getting enough uh, out of their number two hitter. Uh, up there at the top of the lineup, and frankly, for what they paid him this past offseason, again, 11 years, $300 million uh, on that contract. Uh, so that, that's those are my four takeaways. Again, Bailey Falter coming out of that game 
probably a little too late. It was almost Joe Girardi-esque, and I hate to say that, but Joe Girardi would oftentimes, in my opinion, pull pitchers in a reactionary, not proactive way, and I felt like that's kind of what Rob Thompson did uh, in Tuesday night's game. Again, I get what he was trying to do, show some faith in his guy, and probably didn't want to get try and get 12 outs out of the bullpen. Uh, but you probably needed to micromanage those outs, especially with the meat of that Mariners order coming up. Again, the Phillies continue to get hits but not capitalize them. Uh, Christian Pache, maybe just further proof that Kevin Long's the greatest hitting coach who ever lived. Uh, and Trey Turner absolutely has to find turn the corner here uh, if this team's going to have success, in, especially uh, with Bryce Harper on the shelf. More Phillies Today podcast coming up on the other side. We'll quickly preview Wednesday's matchup and the remainder of this series, as well as give you a bit of good news uh, from before the game uh, here on from Tuesday's game. You are listening to the Phillies Today podcast. I am Dan Wilson. More Phillies Today coming right up. Welcome back, Phillies Today podcast. I am your host, Dan Wilson. Uh, really quick previewing tonight's matchup. It'll be Taiwan Walker and his 3-8-0 ERA going up against Logan Gilbert, 3-5-7 ERA, Taiwan Walker, uh, not acquired from directly from the Seattle Mariners. He played for the Mets, or pitched for the Mets uh, before pitching for the Phillies, but he is a former Seattle Mariner going up against uh, his old team in this game. So that'll be game two of this series, and the Phillies uh, looking to take still take two of three from the Seattle Mariners, win this series, uh, and get back to 500 for the first time all season if they could do that. Uh, so looking f- to bounce back from uh, the, series one, the game one loss uh, to the Mariners. Mariners going for a series win on Wednesday uh, for the getaway game on Thursday at 105. Uh, really quick, I did say there would be some good news in this final segment. Bryce Harper, for the first time, was seen throwing and sliding on the field uh, before Tuesday night's game. And, you know, he's he was seen taking batting practice as well. It's not a first. This guy just seems to be defying the odds, like, each and every time there's an update on him. I mean, it seemed, they didn't put him on the 60-day injured list for a reason. It seems like he's going to be back sometime in May. Uh, Bryce Harper, not nearly as far away uh, as we originally all thought. He is just a true freak of nature and wants to be back out there with his team, whether it'll be in a, a first base capacity or a right field capacity or all DHing at first. Uh, just getting his bat back in that lineup is the most important thing, and certainly we can all look forward to that. That will do it for today's episode of the Phillies Today podcast. Uh, I've been your host, Dan Wilson. I'll be back with you next Tuesday and Wednesday. As always, until then... Have a great week, everyone, and go Phils. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.